That's all right. No. This is true. Get <laughs> together. No. Well, this. Man and Rep here. Had. Just ignore them. Three motorbikes came to a halt outside the small house the one house out of the two single houses that sat between an old factory and the edge of a palm oil plantation. The three young men killed their engines and parked haphazardly outside the gate. Joe, helmet still intact, inserted a key into the padlock of the gate and swung it open. He turned, grinned at his classmates and gave the okay sign. Rudy and Bob wheeled their bikes into the compound and parked them side by side under the zinc porch with Joe following closely behind. They had just gotten the keys to rent the small house because it was the cheapest and closest to the private university they attended downtown. As they gathered their belongings, Rudy spotted a small ginger tabby cat entering through the gates. Oh, so cute. Come here, you. Rudy walked a few steps away from the front porch, bent down and stroked the cat on its head. The cat purred and then ran past him towards the neatly parked motorbikes. Rudy's eyes caught sight of an elderly woman, probably in her mid-sixties, peering through the gates curiously at them. By this time, Joe had managed to open the front door and both he and Bob had disappeared into the house with their belongings. Oh, hello there, auntie. You're from around here? We've come to rent this house, called out the ever-friendly Rudy as he walked towards the gate. The woman nodded and smiled thinly. Are you renting this house? There are only three of you. She asked curiously. Yes, it's just us three. We had a good deal from the property owner. It's cheap, near to our university and very quiet. Perfect for studying. Rudy rambled on. The woman nodded. It's very quiet out here. There is a cemetery behind this house. If you hear anyone calling out your name, just pretend you didn't hear it. Rudy smiled inwardly. This woman was also a person walking past. Shouldn't he be ignoring her too? He mused to himself, but being a polite young man that he was, he bit his tongue so as not to offend her. 
All three of them were aware of the cemetery behind the house, but they did not mind. All they needed was a place to stay throughout the duration of the course at the university and location was their utmost priority. Thank you for the word of advice, Auntie. How about you? Have you encountered anything strange or ignoring anyone lately? He asked, tongue in cheek. He could not himself. Oh, I have come across several of them. Sometimes they call out to me, but I just ignored them and turn on the TV loudly. She grinned. They shared a few chuckles and parted ways. Rudy trudged back into the house, grabbed his backpack and entered the hallway. The ceiling fan was already at full blast. Both Joe and Bob had settled into their rooms across the hallway. Rudy had to be contented with the smallest room near the kitchen, but he did not seem to mind. The window opened out to the cemetery and the serene quietness of the afternoon gave it an air of tranquil contentment. If he was not careful, he thought, he might end up falling asleep on days when he was supposed to be studying. He sighed, turned, and began unpacking. As they slowly settled down, the three friends discussed about what to eat for dinner. Joe had agreed to buy back dinner from a roadside stall they saw earlier. Bob and Rudy were more than happy to stay home and wait for him. As they were watching a comedy on TV, a loud noise interrupted their program. It sounded like it was coming from a TV from the house next door and the person was channel surfing. It began with laughter, talking voices and then static noises. A few minutes later, it stopped. Someone must be calling out to her. It's the reason why she turned on the TV loudly. And that's what she told me. Bob looked at him puzzled. Who? Who told you? When? Rudy explained about the woman who lived at the house next door. The loud TV would indicate that some poor soul might be wandering around and decided to pay her a visit. He also told Bob to heed her warnings about ignoring anyone who called out to him since they lived near the cemetery and all. Bob shook his head in disbelief. He could only remember Rudy petting the cat that afternoon. He was not aware that Rudy would start socializing with the neighbors so soon. Oh well, he dismissed, grabbing the remote and adjusted the TV's volume. The boys settled down easily into their living arrangements. The first two days were uneventful. All three would spend the whole day in campus and only came home at night, too exhausted to do anything else but to eat their take-up food and crash on their beds. Twice on both nights, the TV next door would suddenly blast out minutes of buzzing static noise different sounds from speed channel surfing, and then silence. 
It came in short bursts, and apart from the initial shock of the sudden noise, the boys quickly got used to it and were not bothered by it. On the third day, Bob found himself riding home alone, as classes had ended early. Joe had a date, and Rudy was finishing up on an assignment in campus and promised to be back by nine that night. As he wheeled his bike onto the porch, the ginger cat came up to him and rubbed his head on his legs. Bob bent down to pick it up, but it suddenly turned and stared at the gate, its furs bristling, ears flat at the back and emitting a low guttural sound. Bob turned and saw a dark-skinned man in white shirt with khaki shorts walking slowly past the gate. It was something in his movement that seemed odd to him. He squinted by the light of the fading evening sun and reeled back in shock. The man was gliding as if propelled forward by a hoverboard, his feet barely touching the ground. Bob staggered back. His feet felt heavy and his heart was pounding loudly. As if aware of Bob's presence, the figure slowly turned and faced him, hovering just outside the gate. Bob quickly turned, fumbled with the key and somehow managed to rush into the house, breathing unsteadily for it was the first time he saw something as eerie as that. As he was leaning with his back to the door, trying to catch his breath, he heard a series of knocks just from behind him. He knew it was neither Rudy nor Joe, so he ran to his room and cowered under the blankets, texting furiously in the group chat with both of them about his encounter. Both of them brushed him off and insisted that he might be suffering from stress from studying too much. The sudden blast of noise from the TV next door shocked him at first, and then he suddenly felt at ease. He knew the woman that Rudy told him about who lived next door provided some semblance of comfort, even if she was not physically present in front of him. The next day, Rudy was studying in his bedroom late into the night when he heard someone calling out his name. He glanced out into the darkened living room, dimly illuminated by the porch light coming in from the front window, but there was no one there. He closed the door and heard it again. This time, it was just from outside the window. 
curious, he opened the window, thinking his friends would play a trick on him. But there was no one outside either. It was then when a figure suddenly appeared right in front of him. A dark-skinned man in a white, dirty t-shirt. He had empty holes for eyes and mouth. As the figure floated outside the window, bobbing up and down, Rudy stumbled backwards towards the door. He tried to scream, but could only emit gurgling sounds from his throat. It was a good few minutes before he could tear his eyes away and fumble clumsily at the door knob. As he rushed out of the room, he bumped into Bob, who had a similar encounter minutes earlier and had ran out from his room. Both of them looked at the floating man still outside the window. It's him. He was outside my window too, Bob whispered. As they stared, mesmerized by the apparition, the living room suddenly turned bright and the floating man disappeared. Joe came out from his room complaining about someone calling his name from outside his bedroom window and demanded that they own up to their tricks. Both Bob and Rudy shook their heads, insisting that they did not do it. At that precise moment, the TV next door blasted at full volume, distorted voices from frequent channels clashing and then silence. They stared at each other and decided to sleep in Joe's room for the night, too spooked to sleep alone. Early the next morning, all three of them took out their bikes, intending to skip school for the day and search for another place of accommodation. As Joe was locking the front gate, Rudy and Bob walked over to the old woman's house a few meters away. Rudy wanted to say goodbye to her. The high walls did not offer any view of the house from the front gate, so they went round the perimeter of the house and came across a rusty gate that was secured with a heavy chain and a padlock. This was the first time they had a proper look into the compound and in the morning light saw a shocking sight. Dried leaves and old newspapers littered the front yard. The house was run down and there was no semblance of human presence surrounding it. If this is a house, Rudy, then why does it look like no one has stayed here for a long time? Bob looked at Rudy, who could only shake his head in disbelief. His throat felt dry and he could feel his hands turn cold. They turned and walked quickly back to their house where Joe was patiently waiting for them. 
as the three young men revved up their bikes and sped down the road. The full volume of a TV set blasted from the abandoned house. A series of static white noises and then silence. Is it possible to not know your neighbor next door when you live just meters away? Was that lady a real human? I am Wraith once again. Thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next podcast.